This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. So when we were thinking about wrapping up our week, um, we thought of this next guest because we really wanted to talk to him about everything that's been going on in the last week, week and a half. Michael Ainsley is former chairman of Lehman Brothers, former chairman, president and CEO of Sotheby's. His memoir came out in January and Jason and I caught up with him then to talk about it. It's called A Nose for Trouble. He writes about the corporate crossroads and challenges that he has faced throughout his life. Michael is back with us and joining us on the phone from Florida. Michael, um, good to have you back with us. And first of all, I've got to say thank you so much because you've connected us with um, Candace Lee, John Ingram, wide-ranging and thoughtful conversations that we've had with them over the past week. So thank you so much for bringing them to us and, and our listeners because they really helped us better understand this world right now. And I wonder what you make of it. Thanks, Carol and Jason. It's great to be back some 11 weeks since we talked, I Mm -hmm. think, right at the beginning of this crisis, the COVID crisis. Well, uh, you know, I must start by saying how incredibly horrific it must feel like to be a black man or woman in our country today. We just, uh, we cannot continue to allow our law enforcement personnel to perpetrate some law enforcement personnel. I want to be clear, some, not all, by any means to perpetrate the violence that we've witnessed on black Americans. Fortunately, we've seen some wonderful exhibitions of of, uh, love and friendship between and amongst law enforcement this past few days as they uh, really uh, kneel with and walk with and in some cases dance with uh, those that are uh, demonstrating. So uh, I'm afraid they're enforcing lawlessness, not enforcing the law. So I'm I'm a very I'm I've been very sad this week, but uh, mm. let's uh, let's see if we can make some better things out of it today. Yeah, I mean, Michael, you know, one of the things that's come up in in so many conversations and and some of the conversations that that you've been a part of making happen, as Carol pointed out, is that, and I and I think you know this in a way that we do as well, and and probably better, you know, given your experience in businesses, there are some structural issues. There are some structural inequalities that go back decades, and, and one could argue, and, and we have had people argue, centuries in, in many ways. Understanding economics as you do, what are some things that we should be thinking about, either legislatively, regulatory, in a regulatory way, or or maybe most importantly, as corporate leaders, that we might do to start to undo or to, or to fix some of that? Well, I think uh, corporate leaders have got to get much more involved in race issues and racial affairs. You know, there's uh, we have just tolerated a lot of things that must change. Uh, there's something called Campaign Zero, which enumerates 10 changes that are needed in law enforcement. They have to do with training, with body cameras, right. with uh, other things. And I think uh, we've got to get active not just let leave this to social activists, but corporate leaders have got to get engaged in this as well. Uh, there are other things I could discuss, too, such as job creation. You know, there's a great program out there. I don't know if you all have heard about Year Up. Uh, Year, Year Up is taking high school graduates that don't really have a lot of job skills and giving them a year of training and getting them uh, personal skills as well as job skills, and they've, they're having enormous success. They've placed some 25,000 kids 
in these last few years. And uh, they're getting a starting average salary of about forty, forty-two thousand dollars This is taking kids with no, no hope or little hope and really giving them some self-confidence. So I'm a big fan of, of a program like Year Up, and we need to invest in that. Well, you know, it, it heart, that takes me back, Jason, I'm thinking to John Hope Bryan, who we talked to from Operation Hope, who said ultimately what we're seeing, certainly in the black community, you know, it's a poverty story. It's a poverty story that we've got to figure out. And, and you talked about, you know, Michael, the importance of corporate leaders and how they have to play a role here, you know, that as corporate leaders, they need to vote with how they spend their dollars at their corporations, you know, whether they invest in, you know, as part of their supply chain, minority-owned businesses, when they're de- determining, you know, internships, they need to think about a broader swath of our community in terms of bringing people into the fold. And um, I love hearing about this program and this Europe program, because this is something we need to think about. But it, right, it goes, it's a money story. It's a poverty story. It really is. And and where does poverty hit it? it you know, if, if, if kids can't get work, then you see the sort of violence that we've seen some of this week. Most of the demonstrators this week have been peaceful and perfectly within their rights. Uh, but when there's hopelessness, you see some of the uh, destruction that we've witnessed. Uh, you know, as you talked to me the last time, my, my passion for our Posse Scholars Program. Mm-hmm. Well, since we talked, Posse has graduated another 700 Posse Scholars from our elite university partners. This brings to 10,000 the number of inner-city young people that we have graduated from 57 different universities and coming from 10 cities all over the country. So, again, education, jobs, these are things we've got to put our money into and really, really uh, double down and get behind. Well, and and it's interesting, and we've only got about a minute left, and then we're going to continue our conversation in just a few minutes. But, you know, the the structure of that is a very personal one, as as I understand it, Michael, in in terms of – you know, really work, you know, getting people deeply involved with each other and sort of connecting as, as human beings. Do I have that right? Very much so. A posse is 10 kids, and they have two trainers who train them and while they're senior year in high school and then stay with them the whole, ten, uh, the whole four years of college. And that's one of the reasons we have over a 90% graduation rate, and these kids are becoming, you know, presidents of everything on campus one of our most outstanding one is uh, alums is Shirley Collado. Shirley's now president of Ithaca College up in Ithaca, New York, with mm-hmm. six thousand students, and she is completely reformatting the educational experience for the Ithaca kids. They're going to start late this year in October. They'll have some online and an awful lot of in-person uh, uh, classes. Uh, she knows how to do it because she's been there. She's young. She's got the kind of connections with young people and uh it's the kind of leaders we need to see in place she right. by the way is the first dominican-american woman to ever head a university in this country wow that's amazing let's continue our conversation with michael ainsley he, of course is the former chairman of lehman brothers former chairman president ceo of sotheby's joining us on the phone from florida he's also the author of a terrific book called a nose for trouble it's very revealing it's very personal Mm -hmm. in many ways not your typical memoir because of the experiences that that michael has had and it talks a lot about some of the work he's done uh with the posse foundation which we talked about uh, just a, a few minutes ago it does make me think uh michael especially given that work that you've done your involvement with vanderbilt your alma mater your continuing involvement in, in your community, 
And I know that also you are incredibly engaged with a broad number of important people. You talk to them all the time. And, and I do wonder, you know, you said at the top of the conversation uh, how upset you were. And I think that that matches up with what a lot of us are feeling. What are the conversations that you're having with your peers about what you can do, what we can do? Because I feel like we we feel this need to act and we feel this need to act in a way that's sustainable. Well, you know, I guess maybe that's not exactly responsive, but there are some really positive stories and things coming out of this, both this time uh, and and this crisis. Um, I just talked to my friend Jeff Balzer, who's the CEO of Vanderbilt's Medical Center. They have gotten up to 3,000 telemedicine interviews or appointments a day at Vanderbilt Medical Center. This is helping uh, rural and low-income people mm. and elderly people tremendously because they don't have to uh, take the expense and the time and the effort to get to a hospital or a medical office. Um, 3000 a day is a lot, and it's really uh, brought telemedicine from, you know, in the future to, to the present. Uh, insurance companies aren't fully funding this, and one of the things I'm going to do is go go to work with some insurance company executives I know to make sure they do support this because this is really important for low-income people and and senior citizens. So that's one very, uh, I'd say, a silver lining out of this current crisis. Yeah, we do think about the changes, and I mean, healthcare is is certainly, Michael, yeah. a big part of this. I mean, it's it's also interconnected, right? I mean, we've talked about kind of where you grow up and the type of education you're exposed to, you know, whether it's you know in middle school, grade school, you know, high school that ultimately then helps you know, figure out where you go to college and then what job you get and what kind of, you know, benefits and healthcare you get. I mean, it really is so interconnected. And I mean, safe to say, not a new argument, but it's it's not the same access for everyone. No, it really isn't. Another thing that I've learned uh, about, uh, I, you know, I'm a native Tennessean from East Tennessee, and one of my old friends, Bill Green, is the chairman of a bank down there called Bank of Tennessee. They have put out through the uh, payroll protection program, $100 million in loans to a 1,000 different small businesses in East Tennessee and Middle Tennessee in the last six weeks. It's unbelievable how quickly and how responsive. And the, uh, people don't realize three-quarters of all jobs in America are in small businesses right. of under 500 employees. So this is a really critical uh, way of supporting uh, small businesses during this crisis. And you know, we've got to do it or, or we will not have the jobs come back. Well, and, and that financial infrastructure, yeah. I, I, I feel like it is so important. It's something that, totally. that you uh, that you really understand so innately, Michael. And, and I guess from that financial perspective, you know, how do you ensure that 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 keeps going? You know, that the sort of the sustainability, the durability of, you know, channeling this feeling that we're having now on in these overlapping crises, I wonder if there was anything that you learned from the financial crisis that says, all right, if we get enough people to commit or we get these types of people to commit that you're going to have some lasting change? Because I think it's fair to say there were some things that came out of the financial crisis that that were good and right, not everything, uh, obviously, but but I do wonder about that question of, of sort of sustainability and durability. 
Well, I think you're right. Many things came out of it. Banks are much better capitalized today, and and that's why we don't have a banking crisis right. now, thank God, with mm-hmm. all the other problems we've got. Um, but um, we've got to have consistency of leadership. We've got to have more outspoken corporate leaders and, and uh, nonprofit leaders. Um, and God knows we need leadership, consistent leadership for the country. Um, so, you know, I, I see, uh, I think you're going to see CEOs become much more proactive. Uh, I saw one, one CEO resign today, or actually was a board member, resigned from Reddit. Tech, uh, from Reddit. Yeah. yeah. He insisted his board post go to a, an African-American and said he's going to give all the profits from his stock to uh, good causes. Now, that's, that's really stepping up. Yeah. I, it's interesting. I, I I do wonder about that. The composition the composition of boards and the composition of leadership, you know, it feels like, Michael, and we only have about a minute left, but this notion that not saying anything isn't an option anymore. It's just not. I think you're so right. I think you're so right. I think people have got to start taking some risk, and they've got to start putting both resources, money, and putting their corporate resources. They've got huge ability to make effect change with the uh, – did you, did you see that uh, Amazon just borrowed $10 billion and the interest rate on three-year money was 0.4%? Yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, right. that, with that kind of resources, they could do all kinds of things, uh, and they will, but they need to do more for the uh, disadvantaged in this country. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's not a time for for CEOs and leaders to go dark, that's for sure. They've got to step out and, and totally agree with you. Um, Michael Ainsley, um, thank you so much. We really were looking forward to having you on again and um, really enjoyed talking with you. Michael Ainsley, former chairman of Lehman Brothers, former chairman, president, and CEO of Sotheby's. Check out his book, his memoir. It was out in January. It's called A Nose for Trouble. But I feel like you know, these are the voices we need to go to to kind of get an understanding of where we are and where we need to go, Jason. Yeah, very thoughtful guy. Always Mm -hmm. enjoy uh, catching up with him. He's been a great friend to us.